When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you like what you're hearing right now? Then be sure to check out VOC Nation. Whether it's on VOCNation.com or your favorite podcast provider, VOC Nation offers the greatest in live and on-demand content, great interviews, and incredible insight from those who have lived the business. Seven days a week, VOCNation.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at VOCNation. Thank you for joining another edition of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm Brian Ferguson. My guest today is known as the Golden Boy. He was half of the tag team known as Midnight Gold, was beautiful Bobby Eaton, and was member of the fashion known as the Empire in TCW, Traditional Championship Wrestling, with Matt Rivera, Tim Storm, Shane Williams, and Steve Anthony. He is also a three-time NWA National Champion and a multi-time tag team champion. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce the golden boy, Greg Anthony. Greg, thanks for coming on today. Absolutely. Uh, excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, heard a lot about you. Uh, looked up some things on you. And, and you know, uh, you've done very well for yourself uh, from what I've read and, and, and seen and, and uh you know, I used to watch traditional championship wrestling uh, years, some years back, and uh, that name clicked, and I was like, yeah, that sounds familiar, and I started watching again on YouTube, and, and there you were. So that's right, right. good stuff. So, okay. So, Greg, let's talk a little bit about, uh, if we could, uh, growing up, uh, where you're from, uh, kind of your family, uh Getting in and, and then kind of schooling if you have any after high school and getting into the business. We could. Sure. Um, so I was actually born in southern Illinois, a uh, little town called Centralia, Illinois. And we lived in a smaller town uh, called Salem. So I was about five or six years old. And then my family was moved with uh, World Color Press, which was a, you know, a printing operation. A major printing operation used to do magazines. I know that sounds far-fetched to some of the kids out there, but <laughs> well, actual physical <laughs> magazines. They uh, so we got uh, transferred to here in West Tennessee, and I've been here in West Tennessee, uh, like I said, since I was six years old. Um, okay. I, I was always a fan. Like in Southern Illinois, we got WWF, obviously, and we got World Class, mm-hmm. and we got mm-hmm. Crockett. Um, then when I came to West Tennessee. I'm flipping through the channels one Saturday morning and I see Memphis wrestling. And this is my first experience with Memphis wrestling. And the first two people I see, of course, are Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee. So I'm like, Oh, what's this? You know what I mean? So that yeah. immediately sparked my interest. And uh, it's just one of those things. My grandmother, uh, me and my grandmother are actually the only wrestling fans in my family. <laughs> she, she's been a wrestling fan since she was um, for 77 years or something like that. She actually, she actually gave me a book not long ago, which is a little black book that she had when she was a kid, and she was writing down results of matches that she would say. You know okay. what I mean? She used, yeah. to, she used to go to 
she used to go to Keel Auditorium and things like that when she was a kid. She used to see, you know, Dick the Bruiser and then, you know, um, Harley versus Johnny Valentine and things of that nature. I mean, it was just it's it's amazing the the amount of wrestling that she's got to witness. I've got yeah. a program for where she went to a a random show in the eighties at a, some high school there in Illinois and it was Bruiser Brody versus Ric Flair. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, just just on some random spot show in the middle of nowhere in Illinois. So, um, you know, from there, you know, it, it's weird how God works in mysterious ways because mm-hmm. in Illinois, there's wrestling, obviously, and there's some independent promotions, but it's nowhere near as prevalent there as it is here in West Tennessee. I cannot yeah. throw a rock in West Tennessee without hitting a weekly wrestling promotion, right? Yeah. So if you're going to get in the business, this is the place to to try. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's there's so much opportunity. E- even if some of the stuff isn't up to par, at least you get your foot in the door and you start working. Yeah. You know? So yeah. um, when I was growing up, um, you know, huge wrestling fan. I played basketball all through high school, and I, I thought maybe I was going to um, – play at the next level or maybe start coaching or, or something that something to do with basketball was what I wanted to do. But I, I just always had this wrestling thing on my mind that I wanted to do it. And at the time when we graduated, um, Memphis championship wrestling, which was the developmental territory mm-hmm. was coming to our hometown, Newburn, Tennessee once a month. And this is when they had William Regal. They had our truth. They had Daniel Bryan when he was still the American dragon under the hood. They had the Haas brothers. They had, they just had all these guys. And um, like I said, they were coming to our hometown once a month, but they were only drawing like 30 people, which was ridiculous. Right. Yeah. So my buddy whose dad was a police officer in the hometown goes up to Terry golden, who runs the promotion says, Hey, listen, my son and his friends are trying to get in professional wrestling. Can you help them? Right. So he says, well, let's see what they can do. They, they bring us out to a workout basically. And he kind of, he liked what he saw. Of course, we mm-hmm. didn't know anything really. Right. We knew, we knew what the moves were supposed to look like, but we had no idea how to piece anything together or anything like that. But he saw the potential in us and he said, okay, next month when we come back, I'm going to put you guys in an intermission match. I was like, okay. So we went around for the next month telling everybody in town that we were professional wrestlers and we were going to be in this intermission match and we were going to do this, this, and this, right? Well, yeah. That next show had over 200 people at it. Okay. And, and an intermission match wasn't intermission. It was, well, it was intermission, but it was semi-main event. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we went out there. We did the best we could. Like I said, everything we did looked fine, but there was no psychology. We didn't know anything about psychology at that point. So, yeah. like, they just kind of let us do whatever. They Terry didn't even let us be in the same locker room with the rest of the wrestlers. We had our own separate thing away from everyone else. You know, the only guy that actually yeah. come over and say hi to us was Reckless Youth, who I've always been a huge fan of Reckless Youth, and this just cemented it for me. He came over and said, hey, guys, you know, just keep your heads up. Glad you guys are trying to get in the business. Keep working hard do, 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 and do all this. So, mm-hmm. um, and then after the matches, you know, William Regal actually came up to us. He came up to me and was, was giving me advice on certain things. It was just it was just a surreal kind of thing. You know, we did that for uh, a couple months, and then they lost their developmental deal. And shut down, and we caught on with a local promotion, and that's when we started training and working every week and things like that. Okay, well, let's talk about your training. Uh, who were you trained by? Um, kind of give us that process of how that kind of developed. 
Well, like I said, the, the first time I ever took a bump in a wrestling ring, you know, I, I ended up having a match that night, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It, which yeah. is not the way at all that this is supposed to happen. <laughs> but unfortunately, yeah, right. this, this is how it happened for me. I'm along the same lines of the Hardys and things of that nature. We, we had our own backyard thing that we were trying to do, and we were doing this stuff with the Memphis Championship Wrestling, and it just all kind of fell together. Like I said, when we when we actually started working for the local promotion, then we started getting trained. There was a guy named uh, Rude from Naughty by Nature um, that really helped break us in and started teaching us some things. A guy named Motley Cruz here locally, who, um, you know, he was trained by Dick Steinberg, if okay, you remember yeah. that name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was trained by him many, many years ago. And, he, you know, he, he wrestled in the territory days, but just as an underneath guy, you know, wrestled flair mm-hmm. and things like that. Um. But you just just one thing after another. Then I did a camp with Dr. Tom. Then we got, you know, we were around Sir Mo some. And just everything just started kind of falling in place. And I, I just became extremely thirsty for knowledge. Because, like, yeah. I told people this before. When I, when I got into wrestling, I was such a huge wrestling fan. I thought I knew, right? Yeah. I, thought I, I thought I knew. I thought I had it all figured out. And I was quickly, quickly, you know, told and quickly shown I know absolutely nothing. Right. So everything that I, everything I started to learn, then I started to look back at all those matches that I loved, you know what I mean? And like, okay, Mm -hmm. now I understand that now. Okay. That's why they did that. You know, I start piecing things together. So it was, it was really uh, a very exciting time for me. Yeah. Sounds like it. So once you kind of get going and and you're trying to trained up, um, Talk about your, some of your interactions in the ring with uh, maybe somebody that you really gelled with well, uh, either as a competitor on the other side or maybe as a, as a, uh, as a tag team, maybe you guys just gelled. Is there anybody that you just had that it factor with that chemistry? Yeah, there, there's several people like a group of us that started together. There was a bunch of young, young guys between the ages of 15 and 19. We all mm-hmm. got started about the same time, and we were all really pretty much in sync on a lot of stuff because we were young, you know. We were hungry. We wanted to do all this stuff, yeah. you know. We we weren't afraid to try anything, you know. In a lot of cases, even though I was probably the most, you know, um, I wouldn't say seasoned, but I was I was the one wanting to do drop toe holds while they were wanting to do shooting star presses. If that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah. So, no, but there was one guy. There was one guy in particular. His name was Stan Lee, and. uh he was uh, he was phenomenal. Uh, he was basically, and we we were just talking about this the other day. He was basically Pac before there was a Pac. Okay. Yeah. He was Makes he sense. was he, he had a really good build on him. He was immensely athletic. He could do just about anything. You know what I mean? Like, and he just had mm-hmm. that natural that natural body movement. He was almost in some ways too. He was like a Ricky Steamboat because he was so natural at selling and getting things over that it was, it was, it was amazing that he wasn't on the big, bigger stage. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. he was that good. Yeah. Wow. Let's think of the bigger stages. Let's talk about that for, have you ever been a part of, uh, maybe there's a fill in or whatever, WWE or AEW or impact or anybody like that. And are you were NWA national champion? I know that three times. Um, but I mean, you know, the W were you ever part of that in any capacity? I mean, there's some guys that do sometimes they call them up, hey, we need you up here for tonight in case right. of whatever. Did you ever have any of that? 
the only thing we did is like so when we did that when we did that um camp with dr tom okay. you know he, he was still head of talent relations for wwe at the time and yeah. i got his number and i stayed in contact with him and i sent him tapes of my my wrestling stuff like that and he really really liked me he really liked my work but the phrase in professional wrestling, especially on that level, the phrase was always get bigger, which was code for, hey, get on steroids. So when, when you're 170 pounds, I was 170, 180 pounds at the time. And, you know, you hear that. And, of course, I can, I can do that all day long. But until I, you know, went to that level, then it, it it's kind of a moot point. Like I would I would only get up to maybe 200 you know, mm-hmm. and then it would just be be starting like all starting all over again. But like I said in the beginning, God works in mysterious ways. I end up having yeah. a genetic heart condition that oh, none of us no. knew about. That yeah. if I would have done steroids like a lot of wrestlers were, like a lot of my friends were, like a lot mm-hmm. of people in this area, then I probably would have died. Because yeah. what the what the cardiologists end up telling me, this is I've been this happened in 2017. So I'm 35 years old (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they find that I basically, I don't have any right arteries. I just have left. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had a 90% blockage in my Widowmaker and two 70% blockages elsewhere. And yeah. And I was wrestling 30, 40 minutes a night, you know, and I started having chest pains. That's where we kind of started looking into everything. And eventually I got this scan and the scan told me everything told me i had basically had half a heart basically is what it is and like like Ugh. i said it, my my arteries wrap all the way around my heart so it takes longer for the blood to get to the right side of my heart than it would oh. someone else so but anyway they told me if i if i wouldn't play basketball all through school and i wouldn't start a professional wrestling when i was 18 years old mm-hmm. that what i had probably would have killed me in my 20s and oh, then wow. But then you combine that with the factor if I if I did start doing steroids and abusing steroids as was known at the time, then it, yeah. it would have compounded that, you know, yeah. exponentially, you know. Yeah. So, uh, it, like wow. God works in serious ways. It's one of those things. Yeah. Like I'm I'm glad that I was so hard headed and stubborn of, because I've always been like that. Someone said you can't do something or you know whatever whatever. I was like yes I can. Like well you can't you can't be a great wrestler if you're not you know if you don't look like that. And I was like, I disagree. <laughs> yeah. So right. I, I, and it ended up working out better for me anyway, because yeah, the shows that I was on guys were in shape. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was always guys that were, that looked phenomenal. And then I would come mm-hmm. out looking like, you know, Eric Embry, you know, yeah. and like everybody would go, well, who the hell is this guy? And then mm-hmm. I start talking and I start wrestling. They go, okay, he can, he can go. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was almost like, this, it was almost like Susan Boyle. Remember when Susan Boyle came on the, America's Got oh, Talent, America you know, does. everyone yeah. looked at her like, there's no way this girl can sing. And then yeah. she gets out there and is the best singer, you know, <laughs> yeah. of the season. Yeah. Same thing this. Yeah. I, I would walk out and people, I, I could hear people going, hey, who is this guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he's a wrestler? No way. And then, like, all of a sudden, it was like, oh, shit, he's, he's good. <laughs> yeah, you don't always judge a book by its cover, right? Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit uh, – I'm glad you're okay. Thank goodness. Uh, I did yeah. not know any of that. So that our fans are are getting some little inside information on you. That's, that's, I'm glad you're good though. I'm glad that they caught that and, 
and uh, and it's hard, you know. You talk about steroids and things like that. It's it's that business is rough because you're traveling a lot. Uh, there's a lot of wrestlers that do alternate means to stay in shape, to stay, uh, you know, not falling asleep, getting tired or getting weaker. They there's and I'm. You know, I'm glad you didn't do that and uh, and that uh, it all worked out for you. Like you said, God works in mysterious ways. And uh, I, like I said, I, I, I understand the aesthetic appeal to mm-hmm. looking like that. I really do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've I've always been an advocate for professional wrestling. Didn't 100 percent need that. We just needed right. guys that look like men and look like mm-hmm. they could fight, you yeah. know, and like I hear people all the time like, oh, you know, they, they weren't in shape back in the fifties. They were all garbage. And I, I go look at some of these guys and they're in phenomenal shape. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A guy like Lou Fez was six foot three, six foot four, 225 pounds, something like that. And he was just, he was slick as a Panther. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he was still very agile and could move around. And then you got guys like Dick, the bruiser and Bill Watts yeah. and, you know, just guys that were just mm-hmm. powerhouses, you know what I mean? Like power lifters yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's, there's so much of those guys that don't get enough credit for, for you know the kinds of bodies that they had because they were believable yeah that's exactly it right there you hit the nail on the head the believability you know someone i probably see the background there like hogan and these guys ventura yeah they're great bodies and i'm not saying they're they're obviously they're legends i mean but yeah Guys in that era that you're talking about, I grew up, you know, in the 70s, 80s. You know, I was born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s. But a lot of guys didn't have that million-dollar body. But they could work you. I mean, you got the Vern Gagne's and Nick Bockwinkles. Those guys weren't powerhouse dudes. But guess what? They could last an hour in the ring and take mm-hmm. you to the task. And yeah. like, like yourself. So... I applaud you for not giving in to the the pressure, I guess. The pressure, the, the peer pressure of the peer pressure. All right. Professional so, wrestling. But. Yes, yeah. And there I'm sure there's a lot of it, you know, to to move up. Yeah. Greg, I want to talk about your time in uh in TCW. That's where you probably from what I've seen now, I might be wrong. That's where you kind of like catapulted, I guess, to the to the next level, if you will. A lot of TV exposure, uh, the fashion you were in, uh, the matches you had. Uh, you know, what was that like working in, in TCW? Well, first let me say that what really started me on the path to TCW was tagging with Bobby Eaton. Um, because I, I've been down here in West Tennessee, and I've been doing well, and I – you know, everyone knew I could work and everyone knew I was good and stuff like that. And I was just polishing myself out. And when the Bobby, Bobby Eaton opportunity came along, mm-hmm. that was the first time that people outside this area go, who's Greg Anthony? You know, who's this Greg Anthony kid that's tagging with Bobby Eaton? And that really put me on the map. The, yeah. the great thing about that was the entire time we tagged for two years, the entire mm-hmm. time that Bobby Eaton and I tagged, I never took a pin. He would not allow me to be beat. Wow. He took, he took every pin that midnight gold ever took. And then promoters and promoters would go, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this, and we're going to pin Greg or beat Greg. And Bobby would chime in. He go, no, we're not beating Greg. We're beating me. Wow. And then, yeah, it was, I mean, 
And when you look at it, you know, there's not very many guys of his level yeah. that would do that. You know what I mean? Over. Yeah. But, and, yeah. And just to that extent, like, and he always said, like, I'm made. Like, no one's going to, no one's going to hurt the name Bobby Eaton anymore. You know yeah. what I mean? So, I yeah. mean, it doesn't, it doesn't mean absolutely, um, it doesn't mean no, you know, they can beat me all day long and I'm still going to be Bobby Eaton. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. so when we started, uh, you know, Matt Riviera was running TCW and we had pitched, he wanted the Midnight Express to come in. He wanted Bobby and Dennis or maybe Bobby and Stan to come in and work. But of course, Dennis and Stan weren't really doing much then. Right. So they were like, eh. So they kind of balked at me and him coming in. Then, and this to, this is all the younger wrestlers out there, so they know, you never know where opportunity is going to come. I went mm-hmm. to some bullshit show <laughs> in the middle <laughs> of Arkansas that that literally had 12 people at it. The promoter comes to the back and says, hey, guys, there's only 12 people out there. We're still going to have the show. You don't have to wrestle if you don't want to. You can go home, but I can't pay you, blah, blah. We gave, gave the whole spiel, right? Yeah. I said, I'm already here. I want to wrestle anyway, so I'll, I'll wrestle. Right. Yeah. So I go out there. Matt Riviera is on this show. Right. I go out there with a kid I've never met. It was a trainee. He'd had like three matches. I go out mm-hmm. there, tear the house down with this kid. I get the back. And Riviera goes, man, that was really good. How long have you been training the kid? And I said, I just met him a couple hours ago. He's not my kid. He's so-and-so's kid. And he goes, you just had that match with a trainee that wasn't yours. That's only had like three or four matches. And I said, yes. And he kind of like nodded yeah. his head like, okay. And then, after that, he booked me on everything TCW, anything Matt Riviera ever did, I was booked on. Yeah, that's so, amazing. Let's talk about Matt Riviera. Um, I haven't seen him in a while, a few years now. Uh, it seemed like they were on a good run, you know, uh, and it kind of, you know, I've talked to Brian Thompson a little bit about stuff like this, but what are your perspective on it? Uh, you know, it was going well and then it just kind of I don't, I don't know what happened it just well yeah uh, can, you, can you help me out with that because it was yeah, going I mean, good absolutely i mean yeah we i mean we were we, we felt like we were doing everything right we, we had yeah we had better production than ring of honor we believed and we were producing a more realistic southern product than ring of honor was mm-hmm. right so why weren't we that number three spot you know what i mean and when it comes down to it is and people don't talk about this a lot but there is a legitimate southern bias in the world of wrestling journalism you know if if you're not above the mason dixon line then you get overlooked for a lot of things and that was the thing we we were a southern based product you know we didn't run anything everything was arkansas tennessee mississippi missouri you know all in that all in that area and yeah. um, we just didn't get if they would have if the if the wrestling community would have treated us like they treated Ring of Honor, like this this upswell of support like it was, you know, what mm-hmm. I mean, and talk about it every time there's an article coming up, then then we'd still be around today. But it yeah. just became one of those things like he was he was working so hard and he was yeah. putting so much money into this thing and it wasn't paying off like it should have been. Yeah, I mean, I thought you guys, I thought that program was great. It wasn't over, you know, it wasn't all this eye candy popping, fireworks, boom, boom, 10 minutes on the mic. It was, you talked for about two minutes, you went to the ring, did your job, 
he maybe come back for another minute and spoke and said how I kicked everybody's hind end and he went back to the to the back like traditional like traditional championship wrestling and you had stars there you had a, a great Ken Resnick was you know your announcer there or your your commentator and, and I was just so surprised at when it went off the air and there's another one I don't know if you ever heard of it National Wrestling League that was in Kansas City for a few years yeah. they yeah. were hot and then all of a sudden boom gone and, and yeah. it just really i mean i know indies are starting to come back now uh you know they're thriving again and i think people are starting to realize and i don't know maybe you have more insight this than me because you do this for a living i think people now are starting to really come back to that old school mentality of you know we want to watch wrestling yes we'll listen to your comments for two minutes or whatever you get your interview and talk and then you go to the ring and do your job maybe come back say a few words and leave not this 20 minute exposure of you in the ring that nobody cares about is that where you think the business is going back to i mean on your side of the of the fence well uh first of all let me say that the reason the traditional traditional championship wrestling worked so well was because Matt was a huge fan of, of mid South wrestling, Bill Watts's mid South. Yeah. And that was really the blueprint for what he was doing. And we were basically running the same territory. So, mm -hmm. you know, it all just kind of came together. And like I said, we had Ken Resnick, we had Lance Hoyt was our champion for a while. Dreamer was there yeah. a lot. You know, we just had a lot of, a really good group of guys. And you had guys like me and Sigmund and Jason Kincaid and just, just this host Barrett Brown, you know, I mean, just this host of talent. That was yeah. there. When you look at that roster now, you'd like, what the hell? You know, that's that's an amazing roster. Um, yeah. As far as like wrestling today goes, the, by no measurable metric it, can you say that professional wrestling is better now than it was 30, 40 yeah. years. Ago. Yeah, and yeah. unfortunately, yes, the independents have come up a little bit because, like you said, there's a lack of what people are wanting to see on the national level, mm -hmm. but they're still not to where they should be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. people also, I'll say professional wrestling is, is, you know, it's more accessible now than it's ever been in wrestling history, yeah. but right. less people are watching it in wrestling history. And people will go, <laughs> people go, well, WrestleMania did a hundred thousand people. I was like, okay, that's one company, one night, two nights. It did a hundred thousand people. Right. Yeah. But like we used to have 30 territories that yep. drew thousands and thousands of people on a daily basis. You can't measure that in the same way. And where WWE employs X amount of people, every territory had a full roster and a full staff of people and people in the office. It was just yeah. a much, much bigger thing. I, I really, I'm a huge fan of the territory system itself because I so really I, feel, that, I really feel that is the best way to present professional wrestling. And I think too, it's the best way to develop wrestlers. It's kind of like, the farm system in baseball, right? Yeah. You start in a territory, you know, when you start out, you get trained, you start in a territory, and you work your way up. And, again, like you said, if you get hot a little bit and you kind of – maybe your character or whatever is kind of going, eh, it's kind of fading out a little bit. Okay, well, I can go to – uh, Mid-South, you mentioned earlier. I'm going from Minneapolis to Mid-South, the South down there. I'll go down there for a year, rebuild my brand, and, and get hot again, and then go somewhere. You could do that. Now, I mean, it's 
uh, you know, on TV per se, don't get me wrong here. It's WWE or AEW. And, 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 and you get lost in the shuffle because they're so big that there's only so much room for so many people. Yeah. We're in the territories. There's 30, there's go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I, I was going to say you made a good point with the baseball thing because it even and even at, at a certain time period in the business, you know, when TNA kind of filtered out, but WWE was still the only game in town kind of thing. And there was this mm-hmm. thing where, like, you know this as well as I do, if there's a kid in baseball, a high school kid that can throw 100 miles an hour, everybody in the major leagues knows where that kid is, right? Everybody mm-hmm. knew where he was, knew what he was doing, where he was going to go to college. Was he going to skip to the majors? You know, whatever the deal was, right? Yeah. Well, professional wrestling wasn't like that. It became a casting call. It became, we're not going to pick the most talented guys on the independent scene. It became, oh, we're looking for someone six foot three with blonde hair, abs, and looks good in trunks. You know what I mean? And that's who they would basically, be. it became like, well, yeah. Hollywood, you know? Yeah. And I, I had a problem with that too, because I, at the end of the day, I, I truly believe that wrestling and talent is the, is the number one thing. You yeah. know, if you've got wrestling talent, no matter what that what that may be, maybe you're a great talker, maybe you're great in ring, whatever the talent may be, that should be the underlying factor. Whatever I could, you yeah. know, obviously there's going to be exceptions for guys that are seven foot five and stuff like that, where you can you know create, yeah. create an Andre type aura kind of thing. But I mean, yeah. for the most part, you know, it should yeah. be about wrestling talent. 100% agree. I mean, even if you're great in the ring and can't talk, you can get a manager that can talk for you. There's been that for years. You don't yeah. even see that anymore. You don't even see managers. They just and that's, and that's, that's what's irritating. Yeah, that's it's very frustrating. That that's what's bothered me too. Like, I, I get guys all the time that'll be like, "Well, hey, why don't you let me cut promos?" I was like, "Because you can't cut a promo. Yeah. If you could cut a promo, I would let you cut promos. But since you can't, yeah. I'm not going to put you out there." And have you do something that you're not good at, you know, understand Mm -hmm. if you want to cut promos then practice them, work on them and and prove to me that you can, uh, that used to be the thing for, for centuries, centuries for decades in the business was, you know, okay, he's a great worker, but he's not really that charismatic and can't talk. Okay. Put him with Sir Oliver Humperdinck and you know, Mm -hmm. he'll, he'll get, he'll fill his role. You know what I mean? Nowadays, like I said, back to the Hollywood thing. You know, we're just going to get – I don't care if you can talk or deliver this at all. We're going to give you a script, and you're going to read it. I want to kick your butt on Friday Night SmackDown yeah. on Fox. You know, I mean, it's like it's so bad. Yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're nailing it on the head, my friend. I mean, I, I try to watch it. You know, I don't watch it as much as I probably should for what I do with these podcasts because it's just – it's not believable like it used to be. As believable, I should say. No, you know, when I grew up... Go ahead. Go ahead, Greg. I said, well, they don't even try. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. last night we were watching NXT, and they mm-hmm. basically did, like, a soprano scene. You know what I mean? And, like, these two guys are, like, the camera is three feet away from them, but, you know, they're having this private conversation about the family and, like, what's going to happen, and is he going to kill me and throw me off this bridge? It's like, what the hell are y'all doing? Like... <laughs> Everything else on television is television. Why yeah. can't wrestling be wrestling? You understand? Yeah. I want to see wrestling on television. I don't want to see a television show about wrestling. Right. You know, and, yeah. and that's kind of that's what I feel like it's been for the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. 
I gotta, I, I comply with you on that. It's, uh, it's challenging to, to watch. Um, I try to a little bit. I probably get about 20, 30 minutes and then I gotta switch to television. Then I usually go to YouTube or I got some DVDs that I watched from back in the yeah. 70s, 80s. And, uh, I, I understand. So, and you're about 10 years younger than I am. So, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I I totally understand. So, but okay, so let's talk about what you're doing now. You're in uh, running a promotion. Yep, there it is, <laughs> Mid South Pro Wrestling. Pro Wrestling. Let's Mid-South. talk about. I'm sorry, Pro Wrestling Mid South. Excuse me. It's okay. I want to say the word correctly. Yes, the, <laughs> the, the the company. Talk to us about that. What's what's going on with you guys? What are you guys up to? Um, like I said, you know, this area has always had weekly wrestling promotions. Um, the problem with those weekly wrestling promotions a lot of times is they didn't last. You know, some guy yeah. would take over and he would use his day job money to pay for wrestling. And he could only do that for about a year or two. Then he'd lose too much money and his wife would make him sell the company. And then another guy would go, well, I can make money with it. And they do the same thing. And it was just this vicious cycle over and over. And then yeah. to compound it, we had problems with alcohol and drugs. We had problems with pedophilia. We had a lot of things going on in this area that I did not like. So when I made a little bit of my name with TC, with TCW, you know, there's two ways I could have went. I could either kept trying to get booked and try to, you know, go further and further and kind of ride that for as long as I could for, for how much I could, you know, Mm -hmm. or I could come back here and try to clean up my area in professional wrestling. That's what I decided to do. So we decided to open our own company, and, you know, the, the basic principle of it was, hey, we're a family-friendly organization. We don't cuss. We don't do anything vulgar. There's no extreme mm-hmm. violence. Just great old-school professional wrestling. I would get so frustrated with the younger kids of the day. They would sit there and go, wrestling's for everybody. You can do anything in wrestling. It doesn't matter. It's not real. You know, you can mm-hmm. you can be anything you want to be. You can the Statlander girl can be an alien from another planet. And that's that's her gimmick. It doesn't matter. You know, that kind of thing. You can do yeah. whatever you want was their thing. You can do whatever you want. And then I would go, OK, well, I want my wrestling based in reality and mm-hmm. I want it to be believable, you know, with yeah. athleticism and as is taken as a sport. And they would go, oh, you can't do that. They don't believe that anymore. I said, you just said. We could do anything. <laughs> See, and that's that's where their their argument falls off the rails. Your way doesn't hurt my way, but your way hurt no, your way hurts my way, not the other way around. Right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that was the problem I always had with that. So like we when we started the company, it was basically like there was basically like a like an eight month period at one point where we never we didn't even have a super kick on the show. Now okay. you, you you tell me anywhere else in professional wrestling today that that's going on. Yeah. We've never had we've we've never had a Canadian destroyer. You know what I mean? We've never had anything on the apron. Like we've never done any of those apron, you know, pile drivers or anything like that. We've never done anything of that nature. The super mm-hmm. kick thing, like that was just we forgot to tell a kid one time that we didn't have any super kicks on the show usually. And we forgot to tell him and one day he just went out there and threw one and we're like, "Oh." You know, we, were all, we were all hot because we were like, oh, the streak is over. And then with the pile driver stuff, every anytime we pile drive someone in, in our company, 
I mean, not just the end of the match. That person is like gone for months or years in some cases. You know what I mean? Like we, and we've built that, we've built that mythology to our fans and they, they believe it. They get with it. Like when I hooked a guy for the pile driver a couple months ago, they knew they were like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh no. He's getting rid of them. You know what I mean? Like they, they were excited about it. You know what I mean? As to where if you watch now, people hook each other for Canadian destroyers and they just kind of, eh, they'll take a Canadian destroyer and flip up on their feet and take a super kick and take another destroyer. Then the other guy will reverse it, super kick him and Canadian destroyer him. And then they're both down. And then we get a, this is awesome. And it's like, you guys are insane. Yeah. It's, they don't, you're right. They don't sell like they did before. I mean, you know, the abdominal stretch in the seventies, that was a move. That was a submission hold. I remember that. And now, yeah. I won a match with the abdominal stretch just like two years ago. I've yeah, won with it, a headlock, abdominal stretch, headlock, a regular suplex. Yeah. I've done all that kind of stuff. People, the, the 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 ones that said those things can't work anymore, I proved that they could. Yeah, they can work. You just got to know how to sell it. You know, yes. you got to you got to like the atomic drop. You know, back in the day. You know, the guy would get up, ah, you know, be, yeah. I mean, they, yeah. You, believable. Now yeah. you're, and you're exactly right. You know, guy get clothesline, he gets right back up. Instead of laying there, you know, jiggling like they should be. And uh, it's, it's, I'm glad to hear, and you know, I've watched a few of your shows. Uh, how about your television? Are you, are you on television up there? Are you, uh, I mean, what's your exposure? Like, I know social media, obviously, and, and things like that. But yeah, we're we're we don't do any kind of television. We were doing some Twitch stuff at one point, but we we mm-hmm. kind of let that go by the wayside. Uh, we're just we're happy, you know, money coming through the door. You know, what I mean, people yeah. coming to the old school mentality and an ass yeah. every eighteen inches. You know, what I mean, that's kind of yeah. what we we want our thing to be. Television, unfortunately, isn't television anymore. You know, what I mean, like. Yeah. Yeah. Television used to be this perfect relationship in professional wrestling because they needed content and we needed the exposure to draw at the house shows and yeah. we could just kind of trade it off. And somewhere along the yeah. way, one side got greedy. I don't know how that happened, but some, someone yeah. asked for money or this happened. And all of a sudden now they want you to pay thousands and thousands of dollars a week yeah. to get on television. Yeah. Cause they would rather just sell it to an infomercial than give it to you, you know? So yeah. Yeah. For us, you know, we're we're perfectly happy. You know, we Pro Wrestling Mid South has turned a profit every year except 2020, obviously. Yeah, COVID. COVID, <laughs> when they yeah. shut us down for when they shut us down for five months for no reason. So, yeah, we we've we've always turned a profit. We've always done what was best, and we just you know we've been in business like I said eight years now. So that's great. That's, that's... and we, we're running two shows. Every Friday in Ripley, Tennessee. Every Saturday night in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Uh, okay. Six years, six years in Ripley, eight years in Dyersburg. We were doing Mondays in Memphis last year. Well, we did Mondays and Thursdays in Memphis at different mm-hmm. points in time, and uh, we're gonna add, be adding a third town this year too. So I mean, wonderful. Yeah. So I mean, we're my my goal was always to have a full fledged territory where we were wrestling five mm-hmm. six nights a week. So yeah, that's still the goal. Good for you. Let me ask you this. Uh, do you work with any other promotions? Like, do you do interpromotion? There's there's some That's people. Like, I'm part of the AIWF. 
Okay. Um, that, that guy, he, 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 he wanted me to be a part of him for years and I kind of him hauled around it. But then when I started thinking about it, I was like, why not? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, you know, they seem to be doing something good. They're, they're, uh, they're actually trying to be an alliance, unlike the NWA, which is just a one man show at this point. So right. like, why not be a part of them? There's other promotions yeah. that I'm friendly with, obviously like mid States wrestling, uh, yeah. Jason Jones and them. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's, a good, he's a really good friend of mine. Yes, and, he's um, a good guy. Yeah, and then like there's you know, um, you know, of course Dr. Tom has a training school and Ricky Morton has a mm-hmm. training school and things like that. Yeah. I have working relationships with a lot of companies. I just yeah. don't like, especially in my immediate area, mm-hmm. it doesn't benefit me to work with some of these other guys because they they don't have the same set of standards that I do. Right uh, when it comes to their, when it comes to their talent, unfortunately. So, yeah. or, or with the product that they're producing. So right. I would much, yeah. I would much rather draw. And that was a big problem here too, is guys would, they would jump from federation to federation all the time and no one knew who was where and what was what, you know, but we've drawn a line in the sand of, Hey, this is us and that's them. You know right. what I mean? So, yeah. you know, at least, at least maybe they'll know, Hey, this is pro wrestling in South. This is the family thing. This is, you know, that kind of thing versus all this other stuff. Yeah. No, I, it sounds. I would love. I'm gonna get up there sometime and go to one of your shows. I would really. I've been to the mid states. Jason Jones and I are, are pretty good friends. Uh, I've been to a lot of his shows. I go to up Herb Simmons up in uh, Southern Illinois. Yeah, yeah Herb's another great, friend of mine too. Yeah, great promotion. How they work uh, up there. So I'm definitely going to uh, try to get up in your area, neck of the woods up there in, in uh, West Tennessee and, 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 and see that. So one last question, and then I can let you go, sir. What, what some events coming up for us? Talk a little bit about some upcoming events for your, for your promotion. Uh, like I said, right now we're doing every Friday night in Ripley, Tennessee, 207 okay. South Washington. Um, okay. Bell times, 8 o'clock. And then on Saturday nights, it's every Saturday night, Dyersburg, Tennessee, 1827 St. John at the Herb Welch WrestlePlex. Okay. Uh, and uh, we um, we got a big event coming up uh, February 11th, which is our annual okay. one of our annual events. It's actually Breakups and Beatdowns 2K23, which oh, will feature okay. – Yeah, which will feature um, our current unified heavyweight champion, the villain Rockwell – from Oklahoma. Ah, yes, the natural born villain. The natural yes. born villain. He's, he's our unified champion, right? Now. He snuck in. Awesome. The, he snuck in on the battle royal and, and eliminated me, and he won the title. So well, darn uh, him. <laughs> I know that he's a, he's a villain. That's what I'm saying. But he, yeah. he, he's the champ right now, and uh, I actually just lost the number one contenders match, so he'll be facing the real foot saint, Brandon Ray. Who uh, Brandon Ray is 24 years old. He's 300 pounds. He's strong as an ox, and he's very yeah. agile. <laughs> so it's going to it's going to be an interesting contest for sure. That sounds great, folks. Again, Mr. Greg Golden Boy Anthony, thank you for coming on. We're going to have your uh, social media, your website in the description. Get you, folks. If you're in that area, get out there and, and support. Uh, Pro Wrestling Mid-South and other promotions, if you're in your area, you know, they put on a great product. They really do. And I don't just say that lightly. I I mean that. And uh, Greg, thanks again for coming on, sir. I really appreciate it. Awesome. I appreciate you guys. God bless. All right. All right. And folks, if you're watching, thank you. If you're listening, thank you. 
And if you haven't, please subscribe, and we will talk to you soon. Hey, this is Total Package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Hey, guys, before we get started, I just wanted to read this commercial because it's an agreement that we made with a really great podcast, and I want to tell you guys all about it. Pro Wrestling Interviews, it features guests who are hot indie stars as well as the greats of the ring. Each week, you can join the amazing Velvet as well as Dr. John as they host this jam-packed hour of interviews, pro wrestling news, and entertaining guests. It's an hour you don't want to miss. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Every Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern, just go to ProWrestlingInterviews.com, and it'll take you to their Facebook page where you can get the custom podcast link for that week. Don't miss a second of Pro Wrestling Interviews. That's Sunday nights, 9 Eastern, ProWrestlingInterviews.com. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In The Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Stiggs of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You getting ready to get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts, and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hick, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Bill Apter has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the <clears throat> World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found the true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think, uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Uh, Bruno was an elevated champion, you know. 
Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill After, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did didn't have anything to do Well, yes, but the whole thing is this, that the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation radio network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation.